On this episode, we're joined by Maria Harris, who is the founder of Digital Cat Consultancy. Maria has over a decade of experience leading digital change in the mortgage sector, including being part of the team which set up Atom Bank. So today we're going to get her views on what's next for the sector from a digital innovation perspective as we look ahead to 2023. So Maria, firstly, thank you for joining us today. Hi. <laughs> I think it's fair to say you're uh, well known within the mortgage sector, uh, particularly in the technology space. But for those who don't know you, can you give us a bit of background into yourself? Uh, yeah, so Maria Harris. Um, I Most people probably know me from Atom Bank, where mm-hmm. I got to set up the UK's first digital mortgage. Um, before that, I worked in mortgages. I was um, head of distribution for Bank of Scotland, Intelligent Finance, back in the days before the global financial crash. I uh, was there when we were rescued by Lloyds, so mm-hmm. I was head of uh, distribution for Lloyds for a while. Um, and then I went to do a startup that didn't get started, and then spent some time in building society sector. So I think I've been in financial services um, about... 16, 17 years now. And before mm-hmm. that, my background was contact centres. So I've worked for NPower, British Airways, some kind of nice, big, mm-hmm. well-known brands. Yeah. So background in ops and customer experience and mm-hmm. sales and service and all that good stuff. Cool. And in terms of your business now, you run a consultancy, right? Um, yes, I've got, I guess, what they, what they call a portfolio career these days, yes. um, which, um, yeah, partly by design, partly some, you know, a bit of luck along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a non-exec director at United Trust Bank, who mm-hmm. is a specialist bank in London, um, which is amazing. So that's my first kind of formal NED role. I've done some voluntary ones before that, but that's my first proper NED role. So those guys are amazing to work with. Um, I do board advisory work um, mm-hmm. for a number of people. Um, Coracle, mm-hmm. um, who I think you guys know quite well. Um, Cogit, who are a distributed ledger technology mm-hmm. company, um, which I'm sure we'll get to talk about today. Um, Plotify, who are a prop tech startup in New York, which mm-hmm. is also pretty cool. Um, and yeah, and Fintech North, um, which is lovely. So I get to keep some stuff on in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. So those kind of board advisory roles. And then I run my consultancy business, which is called Digital Cat. Mm-hmm. And yeah, mainly work with um, mortgage broker firms, mortgage lenders, mortgage technology mm-hmm. firms, and help them digitize their process and rewrite their customer experience and do all the good stuff that I got to do at Atom Bank. Sounds good. And I think because you came on one of our early, early episodes of this podcast uh, over Zoom back in the spring of 2020. And I think a lifetime ago. Like a lifetime away, yeah. Uh, and I think at the time it was your business, your consultancy business was fairly new. Um, okay. I'd love to just quickly sort of hear about what that's been like over the last sort of two years or so. It's been a fairly interesting period sort of to put the least on it uh, so what's that been like <laughs> yeah I yeah I, I'm not gonna lie I've had a few all ship moments along the way I said what did I do I went from having this amazing exec job where you know exec yeah. salary and everything mm. to go and self-employed right at the middle of the pandemic and um, why did you do that um but yeah I'm amazing been able to look in the rearview mirror so mm. I think when we spoke I was um doing consultancy work for I'm probably going to forget a load of people's names here so apologies um I was working for 27 Tech, mm-hmm. who you guys did some work with too, which was fab. Um, Eligible and Coracle and Bright Star. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. So my first load of contracts were all kind of broker facing, mm. which was really nice because even though I'd been lender side doing broker distribution, I'd never actually worked in the broker side of that. Yeah. So that was really cool to do broker tech and broker firms and yeah, a bit of um, kind of new, new stuff with Eligible. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the lockdown came and first one was fine that was okay not mm-hmm. too worrying the second lockdown came and I, yeah that was really challenging mm. um, and I think mostly because 
the firms themselves didn't know how things were going to play out. The yeah. mortgage market was really shaky. Um, lenders had, you know, we managed to have the home home moving process open, um, but yeah, lenders didn't know what to expect. We were forecasting that house house prices were going to drop off a cliff mm. and that lending was going to stop and it was all just yeah that was really tense mm. um so yeah i had a few a few wobbles um it, but thankfully um and touch wood because this is you know two years on since that lockdown um yeah everything's just gone way back the other way and not what i expected at mm. all so since i think since i last saw you i've done a lot of work with banks and building societies and mm-hmm. um, there's lots and lots of digital transformation going on lots mm-hmm. of replatforming, lots of people who've um who've probably had the accelerator or the push they needed yes on the back of covid um staff working from home, customers needing to engage differently, mm-hmm. how, needing different tools that they didn't use before, even just to do things like online calls and mm-hmm. verify customers digitally. Um, so that's there's been a really big push. So yeah, I've done some really lovely banks and building societies, including Kensington. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing some work with Scottish Building Society at the moment with Melton Mowbray. Um, Hinkley and Rugby. Okay. Um, yeah, it's been absolutely lovely. So we've got some really lovely projects on the go. Mm. Um, yeah, it's been really so good. So no regrets staying up? None <laughs> regrets whatsoever. A few more grey hairs than I started with, but yeah, it's I been good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've done some nice tech work as well. Mm. So um, a few startups, um, CoreDupe being one of them, mm-hmm. um, like I said, I'm sure we'll talk about them a bit more. Yep. Done some stuff with um, Credit Logic in okay. Southern Ireland, which has been lovely, working with somebody who's not in the UK, but looking at the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, I just met with a startup in uh, Glasgow called Black Arrow. That was a lovely blank mm-hmm. sheet of paper, whole load of design work. Um, and yeah, and a bit of work with Mambu, who are a platform as oh, well. well okay. So yeah, yeah so I've had, it's been really interesting. Been yeah, brokers, <laughs> lenders and tech, which is all the things that I love about Sounds the good. industry. Sounds good. Yeah. And we've spoken for, um, I don't think you'd be last, first met at one of our events, must have been sort of six, seven years ago, yeah. focused on mortgage technology change and we've spoken a lot uh, about that in recent years and you know maybe some of the challenges that the industry has faced looking at where we are now so how would you how would you rate the industry of where we've how, how far we've come so far yeah I, we've had so much change forced upon us i think mm. which is you know it's challenging at the time when you have to be reactive and you're having to implement things very quickly but i think that's been a nice a nice proof point in itself in that we've proven we can react and we can implement a lot quicker than we used to. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to wait two years to go and scope things out and try them and test them and make sure they all work and sign everything off. Like I think when we first went into the first lockdown, we had Zoom and Teams and digital identity and all this kind of stuff set yep. up within weeks. Yes. Staff working from home, remote dialing, like it was amazing how quickly like that adapted and amazing how quickly it's become the norm as well. So mm. I think that's probably helped shift a bit on digital mindset. Mm-hmm. Um but we've still got a long way to go. Like we've yes. got more accepting of the tech, but that whole thinking digital first, mm-hmm. I think we've still got a really long way to go. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the industry's still going to have its challenges. The whole process is still very disparate. Mm. Um, we're not amazing at collaboration. We're mm. not great at designing customer journeys end to end. And I think you and I have talked about that three years ago when mm. I spoke to you last. And it's still not something we've really, mm. really got to grips with. Um, so, yeah, I think but the, the, a real change in attitude, I think, towards those things starting to come. And we're definitely seeing more people working together and a bit more 
thinking about the handoff points between systems and yes. how data flows and how the customer mm. gets passed from one to the other, mm-hmm. even if it's not entirely the solution that we'd want. Yes. There. So that's interesting. So, I mean, the, that's been a perennial sort of issue for, for the industry for a decade or more, just that sort of electronic passing of data between systems and different parties throughout the, the kind of the life cycle of a mortgage and the home buying process. Mm. With all your work that you're, you're, you're doing in the market and what, what you're seeing in the market, are you seeing sort of positive change with that? Well, I mean, there's no getting away from the fact that we are still very document driven mm. and we really need to make a, a really big step to think data, not documents. Because yes. the default is we think forms. Mm. When we think about evidence, we think about pay slips and bank statements and SA302s and, and valuation forms and stuff. And we think about stuff in the terms of forms. And that's a big habit to break. Mm-hmm. But also because that's how, you know, you look at all the different parts of our industry and it's not one bit of it. It's all of the sector from estate agents right through lenders, brokers, everything. Our target operating models and how our staff are trained and everything, the way that we've set up our customer journeys mm-hmm. is designed around what was a paper process. Mm-hmm. And even where we've made electronic versions of it yes the process is still actually the same yes and all we've done is said yeah we used to ask you the faxes those bank statements or snail mail them now you can upload them or take mm. a photo of them but it's still just a piece of paper so yeah there's a big a, a big shift to go i think to start mm. thinking properly digital mm. and data first mm. but that's that takes quite a big leap and it's a big a big shift on everybody to then mm. change how their staff work and how they engage with customers yes. and trust around data. And that's, mm. yeah, there's a big gap there around mm. trust, I think. That's a good, that's a good point. Uh, um, and if we think about things like digital ID and, uh, um, you know, a user having to ask, sort of provide the same information on multiple points to different people throughout the journey of buying a house, do you think we'll ever get to a point where, you know, you, you, know, you can get that the ID provided in a secure way to one party that could be then shared along the chain? Uh, um, sort of uh, um, securely? Yeah, so digital identity is a great example because mm. um, we've already had a couple of announcements around mm-hmm. um, government having a scheme for digital identity. Yeah. Very similar to open banking where you get the credentials that come from the supplier of mm-hmm. the digital identity and that they're authenticated to what would be the equivalent government standard, which mm-hmm. is GBG45. And if it's got those credentials and the customer has it in a digital format, then absolutely it can be shared. So they've been through um, several iterations of um, consultation, alpha testing. I think they're currently in beta testing. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's a government um uh, scheme which is going to be great so it's good for digital identity we kind of need to do it for the rest of property mm. data so if you think about all of the other stuff that's involved in buying or selling a home this mm-hmm. data comes from land registry from various search authorities from your local authority flood data environmental risk all of those but at the end of the day they are all data mm. and if we can make all of that data digital and accessible and prove the provenance mm. we absolutely should be able to gather it in real time and then share it and trust it yes. as an industry so yeah mm. it's definitely coming just yes. taking a bit longer than i'd like 
And I think you're involved in some industry initiatives, right, between different uh, uh, sort of parties around sort of trying to push that forward. Do you want to share any of your work there? Yeah. So one of the things that I do when I'm, you know, in between managing my clients and my non-execos is um, I chair the technology working group for home buying and selling, mm-hmm. um, which is just phenomenal. So home buying and selling group have been working for about four years, mm-hmm. and that is a collaboration group. So it's government, industry, um, lots of trade bodies, and there's technology firms, software data providers, all sorts of people involved. And they've been working together for years on lots of things to do with home buying and selling, mm-hmm. not just my bit of the world, but things like leasehold and cladding and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so they do some really good work together. And they were set up on the back of lots of white papers and, and calls to try and improve the home buying and selling process. So they um, they came up a little while, well, about two years ago, with the concept of having upfront information mm-hmm. and having a digital pack um, starting with a buyer and seller property information, so BASPI. And they put it out as a soft launch and asked the industry, go and try this and tell us what impact it has and um, how usable it is. And what came back was that people had taken it and turned it into a form, which right. kind of defeated the object yes. of a digital upfront pack. So the Home Buying and Selling Group asked me if I'd set up a tech group mm-hmm. to digitise this upfront pack. Um, and what started off as, you know, just take the BASPI and digitise that. And the BASPI is huge. Mm. It's like, you know, hundreds of data fields. Um, then became, how do we actually digitise this whole thing? Because we can. Mm-hmm. And why have we not done this before? So, um, yeah, the, we, I've had a team of volunteers who've been working on this since a year gone July. So about 14 months in. Mm-hmm. And bless them, we've created a full property data trust framework we've identified all of the data fields and who the primary owners of that data Mm -hmm. are um where we do have the data available digital through Mm. real-time api or where we're working with some of the government or local authority agencies who are on their digitization process Mm. and what that looks like Um, and then we've got a small group a subgroup within the volunteers who have actually taken the framework and the framework has um a common data dictionary, it has a common mm-hmm. API standard, has JSON schemas for the different bits. It talks about how we provenance the data we've collected. So mm-hmm. if we collect your title data from HM Landredge, how do we show that that's where it came from? Mm-hmm. Date, timestamped, authenticated. So that if you collect it as the seller, mm. And I'm the buyer or your mortgage broker that I can collect that and trust it. Okay. So we've got this subgroup of firms who have um, developed their own systems mm-hmm. and connected peer-to-peer or via the CoJute network and actually proven that we can do a live transaction okay. sharing that data in a digital format. And we're actually about to go to beta testing at the end of this mm-hmm. month mm-hmm. and start putting real-life customers through it. Cool. It's and very cool. Sounds good. I mean, it always did sort of strike me as slightly counterintuitive when I've bought uh, at my houses over the years uh, that some of the sort of data checks are done at the conveyancing stage around you know there's all sorts of data sets you can use it did strike me that issues that come up there could have been identified right at the beginning right that, that, yeah. so I guess that's probably something that that, 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 would, that would benefit from this process absolutely um, and the, and it is a complete turn of the process mm. at, like literally flipping it on his head to mm. say all of that data yes. should be available at the point that somebody lists the property for sale. Mm. So an interested buyer should have all of that before you even go and view a house. Yes. Not yes. after you've made your offer and committed financially yep. and emotionally and gone through the, mm. we viewed 100, we found the perfect one, I've got a mortgage offer, I'm good to go. And then, yes. then the process starts and then it all gets icky. Yes. So yeah, we completely flipped okay. it on its head. 
So that sounds quite revolutionary. How how is kind of industry adoption of the early doors like? Very early. <laughs> Very early. Um, so we've got a lot of work to do with convincing the industry to invest in their own systems mm -hmm. to be able to receive and accept this mm. data and also to think about data, not documents, mm. and provenance of data. But there's still a lot of work to do with, um, let's say, the, all of the kind of primary owners of the data because not all of it's available in a digital format yet. We've mm -hmm. still got a long way to go on some of that. Think about some of the land registry records. There are some things that we can do in real time. Mm -hmm. There are others where you have maybe property records that are still actually physical drawings mm -hmm. that somehow need to be mapped to yep. something that can be machine read. Um, so Land Registry just published their digital strategy, 22 plus, mm -hmm. um, which is great. They've committed to doing the work. They've mm -hmm. got um, a whole load of stuff on their roadmap. We're working with the Geospatial Commission on how we get coal authority, environmental mm -hmm. data, all yep. of that kind of stuff in. The search providers are helping us with that too. Um, local authorities are under there. They've got a digital transformation mm -hmm. going on with some support. Um, so we should have all of those mm. by 2025-ish. Okay. Um, and then things like the digital identity will actually feed into that as well. Mm. So yeah, by, slowly as the data becomes available yes. it'll become more and more easy to do mm. but yeah we've got firms who've committed to doing it from the end of this month and seeing what the impact is on real transactions and real customers and then we're having all of those conversations so obviously we've had a lot of change in government this summer and um, we had some amazing conversations with DLUC Mm. about what we'd done and about how it would help and um, the, they were really open to having that conversation so now we've got a new Secretary of State for DLUC and for levelling up and a new Housing Minister so we'll just yeah hopefully mm. we'll get an update from them on where it is on yes. their priorities yes. but from what I've heard so far it mm. sounds positive mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. levelling up and improving the process is still on the, the list of things to do. Sounds good. So, yeah fingers crossed. And I guess no matter what the government or changes, etc., um, we've certainly seen a push sort of in recent years, accelerating from the likes of land registry uh, uh, and the like um, in that direction. And I think probably commercial pressure, as, as as lenders, for example, need to start thinking about environmental data around how they rate and deliver products in the future. Yeah. I guess that will probably drive more sort of accelerated adoption as that commercial benefit of using this data, right? Rather than just having this data, like how can you design products that uh, are better for users and consumers that really utilise this and make that experience better. Um, you mentioned um, Koju, uh, who are going to come on a, a podcast shortly soon with us. Sure. Um, but it'd be good to get an understanding of how you see that sort of piece of the puzzle uh, sort of delivering some benefit. Yeah, so, uh, one of the, the one of the challenges that the industry has is that we've got a, we've got such a range of different types of companies involved in the entire mortgage and housing ecosystem yeah. and you've got huge FTSE 100 companies who've got their own huge tech teams and lots of investments and are working with some very very cool technology and are on a really good rhythm of adopting digital mm -hmm. and then we've got everything in between right down to a very long tail of one-man bands um, who are relying on third parties for the technology or who who are using lots of analog systems or, or things that just that mm. don't do APIs and things. And it's really hard to have a solution that caters for everyone. Mm -hmm. And not everyone is able to do things like connect via an API yet. Mm -hmm. So Koji are trying to solve that problem using distributed ledger by okay. creating a network. Um, that is very easy to plug into, but you only have to plug in once. Mm -hmm. And when you pl once you've plugged in once, 
you have access to everybody else in the network mm -hmm. as part of a transaction. So mm -hmm. if your estate agent and your conveyancer and your lender are all on CoJoot network, they all get to share data and updates in right. real time, but they only have to connect once to the network. They don't yes. have to connect individually to each other. Yeah. So if you're a mortgage broker firm who um, says CRM system, instead of having 180 lenders mm. and all of these conveyancers and all of these estate agents and having to do thousands of point-to-point -point APIs, mm. you connect once. Got you. Okay. And because it's using distributed ledger, it's a really safe mm. way to share the data because you're not giving the data away. The data yes. stays with you. Mm -hmm. It's just available to everyone else yes. in the transaction. Yes. And funny, we, we built a uh, mortgage blockchain proof of concept. I remember. Sort of, must be about five years ago. Uh, we presented that at uh, one of the mortgage uh, conferences, just a demo of that. And one of the things for that proof of concept, we were just trying to explore the art of the possible. And it became clear that you know, to really get benefit from this, it's really around having all those parties connected, because otherwise having that single source of truth doesn't add a huge amount of value if, if, if all parties aren't connected. So that will be interesting, and I'll explore it further on the podcast around how they're making it a reality, but that would be yeah. the critical thing, isn't it, to, 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 to really get benefit from that type of network. And let's say, I mean, trust is such an issue with the industry, mm. which is why I think we've never really cracked the data thing until mm. we've done the property data trust framework. And, you know, blockchain is such a good enabler for that, for mm -hmm. trust and being able to authenticate the data and always being able to prove at a point in time that that data was what it was. Yes. And the decision you made on this date was based on this. Mm. Even if that data subsequently changes, the original date doesn't. Yes. And, that, that, yeah, it's really good for providing mm -hmm. trust mm -hmm. to the industry. Yes. And that's just one example, blockchain of sort of new technologies and uh, that have emerged in recent years. And I guess from an agency perspective, building digital products, one of the most exciting things about the fintech revolution in recent years has been the the kind of plethora of sort of API services, components that have sort of come to the market, uh, that ecosystem that's been built around fintech. And for us, it makes building digital products sort of quicker, faster, and we can build more things. Mm -hmm. um, do you think the mortgage industry has really sort of taken advantage of that yet? To its fullest degree. Oh, I'd, I'd love to say yes, I'd love to. And there are lovely little pockets of it happening. And when you see it happening, you're like, yay, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing some really cool stuff coming out. Like I said, the stuff that you guys do, um, even just even being able to play and test and learn with something mm. like blockchain, which mm. is something we've not been able to do before. You've got some lovely new solutions that have come to market, like um, Nevo that does in-app mm -hmm. onboarding, biometrics, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And Meet Parker, which is using mm -hmm. AI and chatbot. And I know you guys have built some stuff for us with some clients mm -hmm. before. Um, so that's been really great. But it does feel like they're all little bits mm. of isolated things. Um, but we are seeing some of the ecosystem platform stuff coming through. Certainly with big banks, you're mm -hmm. seeing some really big projects using big tech. Mm. And it's almost like they're building a whole new tech stack like on mm. the side and playing with analytics and big data and decisioning and mm. all of this stuff and almost building a completely separate bank, which mm. is really fascinating to watch. And it'll be great to see how they then, or if they do, make that flip between... Mm -hmm existing tech stack and new mm -hmm. or whether they just start onboarding customers to the new one and work out because yes. obviously the data transition is the hardest part right mm. um and then you've got i guess non-big banks who are coming round to they need to get off some of their legacy platforms mm. because 
they can't plug into the things that they want or they're looking at the solutions that are coming through and saying we want to be able to do that but our existing technology doesn't support it mm. so you're seeing quite a lot coming through at the moment where people are taking quite a brave decision to re-platform yes. when that's something they wouldn't have done yes. before and I think the ecosystems are helping that because they're making it so much easier now to mm-hmm. show people how to spin up something that's cloud-first that's mm-hmm. digitally native and how to plug in maybe some of the existing tools they're using mm-hmm. and then doing the data tra- like data um, transfer for you mm. to make it a bit a bit less risk but i understand for a lot of smaller firms it's a big decision to make yes. and it's a big investment and when you're moving to something that's um maybe not as um easy to business case mm. in the way that we traditionally used to do as in you buy a system you pay x amount of pounds over five years yes it pays for itself and then at this point and then it's you know you keep it for seven years that doesn't mm. work in digital so actually having to rethink how you mm. present and get buy-in and and how you measure the success of something new i think yeah. that's yes uh, that's definitely changing yes i guess in a market historically where brokers you know, have, uh, uh, I wouldn't say suffered, but they, they kind of persevered with some tech solutions, you know, that have been out in the market. Uh, and ultimately, you know, a lender has still got business if, if they have a good rate. Um, that's kind of undermined a little bit, some, sometimes the business case around sort of large re-platforming. But I think it's been interesting to see some of the players that provide these platforms that are sort of industry-specific having to reinvent themselves as well, right? They're, they're having yeah. to sort of, and hopefully I think that should be, should help push things forward yeah. uh, as well. Are you seeing much innovation from sort of existing players in the market? Um, yeah, so I think some of them have been around for a while and mm-hmm. I think it's taken them longer to get traction. Um, but I think that is, some of that is, if I think back to my days, you know, pre-Atom, mm. There were lots of things that were promised as being this will be this solution and there's going yes. to be this one CRM that's going to do all of this or mm. one system that's going to do all of it in between broker and lender and it yes. was just like it all, all just magically worked and really, really over-promised and mm. really didn't deliver. And I think a lot of people were burnt by that. And if I think about the property data, we had the same with HIPs. You know, mm-hmm. lots of people invested, lots of money and solutions for HIPs and then, you know, it, it wasn't underpinned by a good technology or an infrastructure mm. or whatever. So I think we've learned some lessons from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now that we're starting to see some of the newer digital first platforms who are using big tech, mm-hmm. um, they're starting to get really good traction now, mm-hmm. as in they've got a good number of clients, they're proving themselves. They're able, they're really agile, like they're able to show mm-hmm. so quickly that, you know, they're, they're dropping new features in every two weeks in the same way that you do with Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Like literally it's like, oh, there's a new feature, do you want to install it? And you're not having to take systems offline for a whole long weekend while mm-hmm. you, you know, do an yes. upgrade. And those kind of pain points, I think people are starting to see the benefit mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And that those systems are so much easier to implement than being before now you've got low code and no code yep. solutions and you don't have to have a huge tech team yourself to implement them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah i think we are just starting to see that and the opportunities once people get to grips with that and actually mm. get them embedded is huge mm. uh, the the ability for them to then plug in things and tools and services and customer experiences that they've never mm-hmm. had access to before mm. yes. i think it's just yeah Yes. Mushroom waiting to happen. Yes. Exciting time. Yeah. And I guess if we think about the building blocks are kind of largely there now, I think we're sort of in agreement from a technology point of view. Yeah. How do you think this is going to sort of start to impact product development in the mortgage sector? Do you think we'll see more innovation there? 
in terms of how products are actually designed and built. Yeah, you know, we've I think we've seen quite a bit of product, not innovation yet, but mm. tentative toes in the water, mm. especially with you know cost of living crisis and rates are changing really quickly mm. now that we've started to see base rate rises and things that we haven't seen for a long time in the industry. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to see a bit more longer term fix coming in and people trying to help affordability and getting yes. people onto that ladder and that kind of stuff. So there's been little bits of it. I think the technology really will help though because it's almost like once you once you make that cultural shift to allowing the technology to do the thing that the technology does well mm-hmm. and you free up your team's thinking time because they've got time to do the stuff that you actually want them to be doing instead of keying data between systems or checking bits of paper or having to key a rate into 10 different systems to launch a new product. Mm. Once you actually start freeing up that time to be creative and to think about new things and to test and learn and to play in a safe environment, I think that will really give us an opportunity mm-hmm. to start doing yeah, lots of different things. But I mean, there's so many lessons to learn from other industries who've been using that technology for such a long time. And you look at what's happening in retail and in entertainment and in healthcare around data and connected devices and customer experience and blurring that line between digital and, and real life. Mm-hmm. And we've got such a lot to learn. Like mm. I think it does feel like we're quite far behind. Yes. We almost need that, like you say, that just the tool. We we need the ecosystem, the platform to be in, mm. and people to get comfortable and trust it, mm. and then almost let themselves off the leash so they mm. can start thinking yes. about the other stuff. Yes. I think we need the innovation though, because I, I, the industry I think is going to be challenged in the next few years. We've got cost of living. We've got all the stuff that's happening with energy. We've got a huge shortage of housing mm. still. There's such an imbalance between supply and demand. Mm. There's still real struggles with affordability. Like something's going to yes. have to crack yeah. to start fixing mm-hmm. these things. Mm-hmm. And we were talking sort of before uh, we started today about convincing and everyone said, I think they had sort of bad experience of convincing some more recent than others. But and that, it does make you think, if you think about the home buying experience, you know, even before, you know, from starting to save your deposit all the way through to, getting a mortgage and then you know completing on that there are so many different parties involved and that whole process often you know getting a mortgage is can be sometimes tricky uh, as a process but actually it's that part after that can be a much more difficult sort of part of the process do you see do you see that kind of end-to-end journey being rethought and improved uh, at any point so this is really personal right now so um i have literally just completed the sale of my house last Friday mm-hmm. um, and I won't name any names um, but I I instructed my conveyancer before I listed with my estate agent mm-hmm. I did all of my property information up front yeah. um, my lovely volunteers on the home buy and sell and tech group used my data as the guinea pig okay. to test that um, the property data trust framework would work cool. um, I um, have no onward chain because my friends know I'm in the process of moving to Spain. Mm-hmm. And the person who was buying my house was a first-time buyer. And my house Thanks is know, yeah. detached, freehold, mm. nothing quirky, no issues, no legal, no shared, nothing weird mm-hmm. at all. It was like the most straightforward binary case you could ever imagine. So we gave the conveyances on both sides three months' notice of the completion okay. date. Lots and lots of time. Um, we missed the completion by two weeks. Um 
and it just yeah the backwards and forwards and, and, and given that I know the industry reasonably well mm. um, and had a whatsapp group with my first time buyer and they were being told something and my conveyance was sending them different and mm. like we were all stuck in the middle and the backwards and forwards uh, I, I like I really feel for anybody who who's not in the industry or doesn't have support who doesn't know how to navigate mm. that and it's no wonder I mean they still say isn't it nine out of ten people say it was stressful buying or selling a house like two in ten people are reduced to tears by it mm -hmm. a third of transactions fall through because they take too long or people mm. get really nervous or think it's going wrong and uh, yeah it absolutely has to change so if we get the home buying and selling group stuff right mm -hmm. and actually we digitize the process properly the entire process of buying and selling a house will be completely different not just the mortgage mm -hmm. but then you start adding in some of the things that we're seeing with people using virtual reality and augmented reality, even how you view and find and buy a house, how you picture your furniture or your mm. how you what kitchen you would want in there, all of that is just changing. And it's happening in retail mm -hmm. and it's not quite making its way into ours, but that crossover is going to happen fairly mm. soon, I think. Mm. Let's hope that. Hope yet. <laughs> So I think if you think more broadly around, you mentioned other sectors, but if you think more broadly around technologies, um, are there any particular upcoming technology trends or innovations that particularly excite you? Yeah, so, um, so I, I'm still absolutely obsessed with the whole future of the home stuff, mm -hmm. especially because of what's happening with how we build houses, the pressure on ESG, the pressure on reducing our carbon just on people understanding what is the environmental impact of my home? Mm. How do I make it more energy efficient? How do I get my energy bills down, especially today? Mm. Um, and there's such a focus on it right now. And there's all these amazing solutions out there on you know, how to build homes that are carbon neutral, how to have things that are modular so that people can grow their family and shrink their home and upsize and downsize as they needed to. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing so much more around things like intergenerational living and intergenerational borrowing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think there's a huge amount of technology for things like IoT, for how we actually build houses, for how we measure Mm -hmm. how efficient our houses are which is coming down the line and then you got all really excited about let's say virtual reality and augmented and people being able to like order new kitchens and be yes. able to have everything perfectly fitted before they even move in and get rid of lots of issues that we've got right now and then you've got met there and like buying you know at what point does buying a digital property look very similar to mm. buying a physical property and where does that get blurred and mm -hmm. how do we use meta to engage customers through mm -hmm. through those channels where you can have staff interacting with a consumer and almost playing out scenarios mm. and saying, well, if you did this with your savings and this with your mortgage rate and this with this and this with that, mm. and you took all of this data together, and then actually you put that in a real life scenario, like I get really head blown. <laughs> um, I did a really lovely piece of research um, with, um, I'm, I don't know if I can say the name, it was a long time, it was when I first started my consultancy three years ago. Mm around what the future of a home could look like mm -hmm. with um, and we got we got like really imaginative and creative which was fab but we were even talking about you know it, at what point would I be able to lend my charging mat on my drive to my local delivery driver and go I'm out the house between this point and this point if you want to use my charging mat you can mm -hmm. and you give me credits and then I get free deliveries okay. and or yes. at what point do I tell delivery like you can fly drones over my head my house between this time and this time when I'm not mm. working but mm. please don't do it after this time in the evening because I'll mm. be doing that and yeah how do you use all of that data to almost create a really circular embedded 
financial ecosystem that's so much broader than just the money that's in your bank mm. and how do you start trading those things for value yes that's exciting that's sound exciting but yeah. if we sort of uh, bring it back sort of more to, to real kind of, world <laughs> real not world. at all uh, I guess if we think about the next year or, or so in the mortgage sector have you got any predictions or, or, no. or sort of a top level overview where you think we'll be if we sat down again another year or, or, or so I'm definitely not mystic Meg I hate making predictions <laughs> they never ever come right do they um, so I think we will see there's such a lot of replatforming going on at the minute. I think next year we're going to see a lot of those really land and deliver. Mm-hmm. And I say I think that'll be a good thing. I think we're going to have a bit of a shackles off moment okay. where people are just going to be able to free up that kind of the, the people capital to be able to do really interesting things instead of, um, yeah, paying people to push bits of paper, which would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to start seeing some of the kind of big data analytics mm-hmm. and proper AI and machine learning coming into the home buying process and into the mortgage decision and process. And let's okay. say we're seeing, you know, that lending's going to have to change to fund things like making people carbon neutral, but also intergenerational wealth transfer. Mm-hmm. And if all of that's going to be tied up more in property than it is in actual mm. money, I think we're going to have to see more around analytics and and using machine learning to make really good decisions that are based on so much more than a a one-person credit score Mm -hmm. based on, you know, four and a half times income or or whatever kind of binary rules we've got at the moment. So, yeah, I think analytics and AI and ML are going to really come through. Mm -hmm. Um, I would obviously love to see the property data trust framework Mm -hmm. being properly adopted Mm. and that all of the custodians of the data, so all our government and local authorities, all have a really clearly published mm-hmm. digital roadmap so we know on this date, on this month, on this year, we can all move to properly data-driven yeah. home mm-hmm. buying and selling. That would be pretty cool. So I think those things would happen in the next year. And I think the likes of Koji at the network, I think we will see the first fully end-to-end, fully digital mortgage mm-hmm. from estate agent all of the way through to land registry and funds released being done on distributed ledger cool so it sounds like exciting gear ahead then (laughs) so in terms of your business then before we wrap up have you got you know what's on the horizon for you for the next 12 months um well so i've got a a number of clients who've got some really exciting things about to land and i really wanted to be able to share them today but i'll have to wait until they're able to share them themselves but they've got some really lovely projects that are coming Mm. through um, and they'll all start landing fairly imminently and over the next kind of nine twelve months so that's going to be really exciting Mm -hmm. um as i said i'm in the process of moving to spain um which is really exciting um, so I'm hoping that I can get some practice in of my Spanish and maybe get my okay. first European client because that would be a pretty cool thing to do. Yes. I would like to be able to influence where we go with House and Strategy next because mm-hmm. I do think there's such a disconnect between the work that we're doing with technology but having a really robust housing strategy to actually underpin the future mm. of housing in the UK. So if there's any way at all that I can influence that, I think I'll be banging that drum as much as I can. Well, I hope you can. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it's been lovely to catch up uh, today. We must do another catch up maybe next year and uh, see if we can we can look back at this and uh, score uh, what came to fruition. Uh, but no, thank you very much for your time today, thank and um, thank you to our audience for listening.